and I'm maybe uh, other parts of the world. Today is Orphan Sunday, November 13th, 2016. And so, would you guys grab those lights as y'all go off? That would be awesome. I feel weird standing in the dark with this light shining on me. It's like, not right. So, ah, oh, better. We're all in the light. That's awesome. Um, Orphan Sunday, November 13th, 2016. Very important day uh, in, in, in the church in America. Uh, and so we want to call attention to that. We're going to, we're going to look to that issue today. Um, next week we'll jump back into Acts and be ready to, to rock and roll into Acts. But we want to make sure we take appropriate action. And you're going to have opportunities to hear. Jeff's going to come up in just a moment. We're going to do some Q&A about how Three Rivers is engaging in this work. Uh, but we want to hit this issue uh, biblically and we want to address it. We want to see ways that not only you need to know and understand the issue... We want you to know how you can be involved as well. Russell Moore says the call to care for orphans, like so many other things in Scripture, is a call to walk in faith. The reality is, dealing with this issue is just like anything else for the Christian. The solution is not an earthly solution. It's a kingdom solution. It's solution that God gave us. It's His way. It's His means. And that requires us to act in time and space. But it starts, as we're going to look here in just a moment, with a theological framework that dictates our actions. Does that make sense? We're not atheists. We're not pragmatists. We don't start with actions that are not informed in truth. We begin with truth. We move to action from there, and our actions are defined by that truth. Boy, the political season could have been so much different. Had we, many of us, responded in faith, not in pragmatism. I wrote a little blog about that this week. If we had looked at this issue from Daniel's perspective, not my son, but the book of Daniel, of whom he is named after, God is my judge. Right? Daniel... That God is the one who sets kings in place. And our peace of mind is not determined by who gets elected. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven first. You understand? So regardless of who's in the White House, our peace is rooted in Christ. And if you found solace in the results or lack thereof, your kingdom is set in this world not in the kingdom of God and I call you to repent this issue of orphans is rooted and grounded in Christ doesn't cause us should not cause us fear it should call us to action to live out of the kingdom of God where there is abundance to address it See, we have this challenge because of the curse. Because of the curse in Genesis 3, the result of the fall, everything's affected. Everything. There's nothing that is unaffected from the fall. This issue is just one tiny sliver of how the curse has broken everything. Some updated statistics at a Department of Family and Children's Services board meeting this week, of which I am now the chairman of the board. Been doing this a, quite a while in your county, and I'm thankful to serve our community and our local government in that fashion. And so, some updated statistics for you: 391 kids in care. That's first time we've been below 400 in a very long time. 
This month, this past month, I'm sorry, this past month, there are 156 new cases reported that need to be investigated. And there are currently only 29 homes in Floyd County. If we're going to care for the fatherless, we have to have a doctrinal framework that will dictate our actions. So I want to give you very quickly, in the 12 minutes I got left before we do some q and I want to give you some points... And these are on the blog, um, A, B, C, and D, right? A, B, C, D. So you're going to see four components to a doctrinal framework that's going to help us begin to address this challenge. Number one, you got to believe that God cares for the orphan. You have to believe that God cares for the orphan greater than you currently do. Until we believe that God cares for the orphan, we will continue to wink at it, continue to say it's somebody else's job. But we must understand God Himself cares for the orphan. As a matter of fact, God has such special concern for the orphan that He dictated in the law that portions of the tithe were to be set aside for their care. I've got a little an extended quote here for you with all these scripture references. I don't have time to read. It's there for you on the blog to go see. Here's just a sample from Exodus 22, 21 to 24. You shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him. You know what a sojourner is? Somebody from another country. Let this dictate your politics. Not Republican or Democrat. You hear me? We are citizens of the kingdom. This is our constitution. You, you believe that? If not, you might not be a Christian. This is our politics. You understand? You want to hear what God says? Or not? I mean, I mean, we can just be citizens of this world first. Right? But that's not what this says we are. Y'all tracking? Right? One of the greatest privileges to the time and space we live right now is God in His grace is marginalizing the church. We haven't been marginalized by the world. The world's not in control. God is setting us in the margins to see who loves the manual and will follow and obey it and who doesn't. And cultural Christianity is dying a cold and brutal death and it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Because what will be left are those who follow Jesus and obey His Word. Listen to what God says. You shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him. For you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry and my wrath will burn and I will kill you with the sword and your wives shall become widows and your children fatherless. That's... The word of the Lord. You believe God cares for the orphan. You better. You better. You better. Listen to Deuteronomy 10.18. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. And loves the sojourner. Giving him food and clothing. So we've got to believe God cares. Number one. You think that's just a sample. You think God cares? Yes he does. God cares tremendously. Secondly. We have to grow into a more complete understanding of the gospel. I tried to phrase that carefully because what I don't want you to hear is I don't want you to hear change your understanding of the gospel. 
But that can't be changed. The gospel is the gospel is the gospel. It's the eternal good news of God. It's God's eternal plan. Right? We can't change it. It is what it is, what it is, what it is, what it is. It's in the manual. We have to grow in our understanding to a complete understanding of the gospel. And what I mean by that is, and I put a colon and then said it, right? So you like grow into a more complete understanding of the gospel. Colon, here's what I mean. Adoption as a facet of the gospel. We never leave the Bible's teaching on the doctrine of justification, that this substitutionary work of Christ on the cross in our place for our sin, whereby when we trust in Christ, He takes away our guilt and takes the perfection of Christ and gives it to us, justified. We have, we've been made right in the sight of God. We never leave that. As a matter of fact, however, the doctrine of God's adoption is set right in the middle of Paul's 11 chapters on justification. Book of Romans. Romans 1 to 11, Paul's unpacking the bad news. And then he lays on us this glorious good news of God's justifying work in Christ. But salvation in the Bible is like a diamond, a cut diamond. It has facets that we are to enjoy. And they are to determine our enjoyment of God as we experience them. Adoption is a facet of the gospel. It's a facet of God's work. We were not children, and in Christ He has adopted us as children. Romans 8, 12-17. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to live, or not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. How do you know you've been adopted in the family? You follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. If you don't, you might not be a son or daughter. Right? For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. That's awesome. Now you understand? I mean, that's heirs not under Christ, with Christ. A little, little prepositional phrase is powerful. We, we inherit, Jesus said it, right? What we inherit the, you, you guys know the Beatitudes, right? You should know this. We inherit the earth. We're heirs of God. You understand what an heir is? It's a person who gets what their parents pass on. Guess who our parent is? None other than God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. If we're in Christ, we've been adopted into the family of God and made co-heirs with Jesus. So in the eternal kingdom, this whole earth is ours. Just like it creation in the beginning. It was all Adam and Eve's to subdue and fill No sin, right? And so we begin to understand that adoption is part of God's work of salvation. He takes those who were not His and He makes them His through the work of Christ. God cares for the orphan. He built it into the gospel. Third, we have to know, and you've got to understand this, that caring for the fatherless is a call to suffer. We get to identify with Jesus as we take on the suffering of others. We are averse to suffering. Everything we've been taught 
is run from suffering. <laughs> Matter of fact, there are theologies that teach us suffering is a sign God doesn't love you and His blessing has been removed from you. That's satanic. Because you need to walk over to the cross and take a look up on it. And that's who we were asked to imitate. So anything that denies the suffering of the saint denies the gospel. And our king went to the cross and died in our place for our sin. As a matter of fact, I didn't have time to preach through the entire uh, canon of the New Testament today. Or for that matter, the Old Testament too. But we can't ignore that suffering is something that God graciously, and I want you to hear this carefully, graciously allows and gives to His people. We have a tendency to think of suffering as the worst case scenario for missionaries. Right? But the reality is suffering is any difficulty incurred because one has obeyed Jesus. And it's not to be judged by severity but by the presence of difficulty due to obeying God and living by the values of God's kingdom. As a matter of fact, suffering can't even be avoided. You don't have to be a Christian to suffer. The difference is that in the kingdom of God, suffering has been turned upside down. As a gracious gift of God to grow us into Christ. The difference for the Christian is that in suffering, that suffering is redeemed. And it's a means of receiving the grace of God in special ways as we set right what the curse made crooked. If you're going to engage in kingdom work, you're going to have to engage in setting straight what the curse made crooked. That's hard. And when you engage hard things, guess what? You will incur difficulty. Just gave you one sampling out of the canon of the Bible today. Philippians 3, 8 to 11. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. How do you gain Christ? Because everything else has got to be counted as rubbish. There's no such thing as Jesus second for the follower of Jesus. Jesus is first. Everything else is lost. Because in Christ we have everything. right? And be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which depends, or that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And, and here's why. There, here's the purpose clause in verse 10. That. That little word that indicates here's the reason why everything's rubbish. And so I gain Christ, be found in Him, having a righteousness not coming from the law but comes through faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that, another purpose clause, why do I need to share with Him in sufferings and become like Him in His death, that is, die like Jesus? That by any means possible, I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Listen, the resurrection of Jesus does more than secure the reality that you will be raised from the dead one day. It secures the reality that when life is bad now, Jesus is able to raise it up. You will never taste the power of God unless you need the power of God, right? Does that make sense? And you're all in need whether you realize it or not. And oftentimes, He sustains us and we don't even know He's sustaining us because we do live in Disneyland. Right? But, 
You don't need resurrection power when you're undead. That makes sense? So, therefore, in order to have this glorious grace of God granted to us in Jesus raising things up, we have to be crushed under a load. I don't have time to do 2 Corinthians 1, where Paul says, God put this on us to crush us, so that we will be taught not to depend on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. God will put more on you than you can bear. That opposite of that statement, which I shudder to mention, is a lie. He will put more on you than you can bear, so that He may lift you up. The text of Scripture is clear. And so that you learn to depend on God. So just know that if we engage in this work, whether it's boots on the ground taking children, the reality is when you take that into your home, you bring the dysfunction of the curse into your home. And the function of your home has to be greater than the dysfunction of the curse in order to overcome that. It just is. Right? That's, that, and, and that doesn't go away. You just learn to get better with it. It's a fight. It's a call to suffer. Finally, know that caring for the fatherless requires the whole church to do its individual part. This means we all have a role. Hey, I'm doing pretty good on time. Y'all should be proud. It requires the whole church to do its individual part. This means every single one of us have a role. You might not be a foster parent or an adoptive parent, but if you're in the community, you have a role. Just like the Great Commission applies to every Christian, right? And you've been here, if you've been here probably more than a month, you know we love making Jesus big globally. And we strive to make that relevant to everybody, whether you get on a plane and go, live there, or stay here. You're going, sending, or disobedient, right? You've heard that here, you, you know, right? So just like the Great Commission applies to every Christian, James 1.27 likewise applies to every Christian. There's nothing in that passage of James 1.27 that tells us this is for a few special forces Christians. It's just not there. The challenge is how do we make application of such passages, right? We know, we know we read the text. You've been here long enough to know how to study your Bible. You read these things and go, geez, that applies to everybody, but geez, how does it apply to everybody? And that's the wrestling is what do we do with that? And that's kind of what we're going to address in the Q&A a little bit is what can we all do? Because you might not be a foster parent. You might not be an adoptive parent. But James 1.27 doesn't any less apply to you. So we've got to wrestle with how to, what do we do with that, right? I would say one of the things that you can take away right now is your role will be determined by your relationships, your gifting by the Spirit and community, and a general desire to love each other as Jesus taught us. When you're in community with people who are boots on the ground, you find you do have a role every time you gather. And it may just be, I'll, t- I'll watch them for a few minutes while you sit and pray with the rest. You know? Because if you're consumed in that work, a break to just open your Bible and read it and pray with other Christians is gold. Right? But everybody's got a role. And when you're in community, doing life together, in the community of the kingdom, in covenant relationships, under the banner of your local church, you will find your role very easily very quickly. There's no one way to address it. <laughs> There's no one way to address this challenge. If there were just one way to address it, it would already be fixed. It's a yes and type of work. Yes and that. Yes. 
Yes, all of it. Yes, it's it really is a yes and kind of work. The work is multifaceted. It requires multiple solutions to a complex problem from legislation that's backward and broke. Government does nothing, nothing really well. Just know that. So from legislation to infrastructure to organizational change to boots on the ground and so on and so on and so forth. This is why every disciple in every domain can have a role. If your domain is law, your service can be helpful. Serve the legal needs of children and parents, foster parents and adoptive parents who need advocates in court. If your domain is education, your services can be helpful. Serve the educational needs of kids who are behind due to upheaval. Right? And tutoring and five million other ways. Education is essential. If your domain is medicine, your services can be helpful. Help provide care for kids and extended needs as service to kids and and parents. If your domain is business, your service can be helpful. What about young men and women who age out of the system? Who's going to teach them to work? Who's going to give them a job? And don't give me don't give me any junk about well, just go get one figured out when you've never been taught and trained. We take for granted being taught something. Who's going to teach them? Who's going to train them? This means that this work is not optional on any of our parts. Whatever it happens to be, the whole church of Jesus has to make sense of the Scripture's clear teaching on this issue. So, what is Three Rivers doing? Well, we started Global Impact quite a few years ago, which is a another nonprofit that we have. There's Three Rivers is a nonprofit, and Global Impact is a nonprofit. And Global Impact has a local and a global component to it. We operate in Global Impact for overseas things, for reasons it's not time to talk about that here now. But Global Impact is the parent organization that oversees Restoration Rome, which I'm see this Restoration Rome. Jeff has one too. And Restoration Rome really is a work that. Um, was sparked by a much longer story, which we don't have time to tell today. But Restoration Rome is focusing on this issue. And so by the incredibly hard work of Jeff and Mary Margaret Maurer, uh, we've got a central location that the city gave us uh, in southeast Rome, the old southeast elementary school, for addressing this challenge. So Jeff, why don't you come on up? We're going to have a seat, and we're going to talk through some questions. Now, we're going to do you like the chairs? Is this really cool? Or is it awkward, right? I'm going to sit down. I feel very much like Dr. Phil. And if I, and Jeff, <laughs> Jeff's leaving. He's like, I'm not, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm just kidding. Not doc, I don't know. I don't watch talk shows, so I watch sports. So what's, what's a talk show that's not weird? There aren't any. Thank you, Amy. Very good. So this is the Three Rivers talk show. Very good. Um, so what are we doing, right? And so Jeff really, 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 um, Mary Margaret's down at the other campus, so... Josh is interviewing Mary Margaret, so thank thank you for split duty today. So Jeff, won't you share with everybody the vision of Restoration Rome? Because I know they've heard of Restoration Rome. You've, who's heard of Restoration Rome? Okay, who hasn't? Okay, very cool. So Jeff, share with us the vision. What is the vision of Restoration Rome? Well, I think before I get into exactly what Restoration Rome, uh, what we're hoping to achieve over there, it's it's important to understand. Uh, really uh, on the heels of what Mitch has just been preaching on 
that um, you know in today's <laughs> environment uh, when we we talk about foster care, what's your immediate thought? Defect, government. What's their problem? Some of us, I think, even think when foster care comes to mind that defects or the government created the problem. It's not. Mm. It's our problem. Mm. We create it. It's our community. Mm. We've abandoned these kids as a community. And we have relied on the government mm. to take care of them and solve this problem. And I can tell you, at least in the state of Georgia, our government and our, our governor has said they need help. They need the faith community's help because it comes back to families. Become, comes back to strengthening families, making sure those kids never come into care. And, you know, I'm, you know, gotta be realistic. We always, we know that there will always be kids in care and then it's how do we serve them. Hmm. But again, so Restoration Rome, um, uh, is a service provider or it will provide services and be an advocate for the system. Um, and the vision there, of course, is, is identifying what the issues are in our community. How do we strengthen our families? How do we keep the kids out of, out of care to begin with? Because mm-hmm. out of the 13,000 kids that are in, in care right now in the state of Georgia, you know, uh, roughly 400 of them, and, you know, we go above 400 and, and do get below 400, but that's for, for Floyd County, for one county, is, is a large number. And so we've got a problem here. And what you'll hear me say is the system is broken on every level. That doesn't mean it's broken on the government level. It's, you know, government, everybody shares issues here. Mm-hmm. But this system is so broken uh, that somebody has to do something. And that's as we, you know, Mary Margaret and I have been involved in foster care for a long time, Mary Margaret longer than I have through Murphy Harps. And as we have seen uh, uh, the situation, it's just, um, it's, ne- it was, it's never going to get better until we as a faith community get behind it hmm. and do something about it. Okay, so what, what are we going to do about it? What is, re- what is Restoration Rome? What are we going to do? So you've got two aspects of it. You've got the prevention and intervention piece of it. We've got to keep kids out of care. So there is that aspect of it. And then for the kids that do come into care, how are we going to serve serve them? And so uh, let, let, let's start with, uh, uh, because it is a crisis, let's start with uh, uh, when kids come into care and, and what we're going to do there. You've got three constituencies that need to be uh, come around in that, of course. The kids are one, uh, birth parents are the other, and then foster parents. And so if you take uh, each of those, uh, you know, each one of those constituencies has different issues. A lot of you have been in this congregation, have been through the process of, of becoming a foster parent. So, you know, how was that process for you? Hard. Very long. And yes. So there's a reason why we only have 29 homes in Floyd County. Frankly, there's, you know, I mean, the, the situation isn't different in any other county. 
uh, either. The process is long, it's hard, it's onerous, mm-hmm. it's, it needs to be corrected. So Restoration Rome, in a nutshell, is going to uh, focus on uh, recruitment of foster families in a new way. You'll hear a lot of us say over there, comprehensive. We have comprehensive everything. Um, and so for, you know, for foster parents, the recruitment of foster parents will start with an actual uh, vetting process. You know, we have a, a saying here in Floyd County, one and done. We have a lot of people come through, they get approved, they foster, they get one placement, and they're done because they're not prepared for what they're about to experience. And it's a shame because there is so much support and so much help that could be given to them that would keep them in the system. So our process starts with people that are even uh, uh, interested in the process. They will go through um, a, a complete process where you know they will learn. And it's not a it's not a process to scare them. It's a process to prepare them. And so if they get through that and get to that point where they want to, they say, yes, this is what I want to do, okay, go through the approval process. For those of you that have have gone through the the process of becoming a foster parent, um, this will probably mean more to you. But think about the entire approval process other than uh, home studies being done inside of a week. All of the services there, training, physicals, fingerprint, CPR training, uh, that you had to go to Atlanta, Douglasville, Cartersville, all of these places on your own time and get done will all be under one roof. Hear the murmur rise. People aren't going to praise Jesus, please. Seriously. It's hard to appreciate. This is a process for foster parents, for those of you that don't know can take anywhere from 12 months to 18 months. Yep. If you got it done in, in six months, uh, it's, a, it's you, you know, you know somebody or you don't have anything else to do except go through the process. <laughs> um, so all of that will be right there under that, under that roof. Beyond that, the support for the different, you know, behavioral issues that, that foster parents are going to witness or be part of, the support will be there for them. Uh, and then, of course, you've seen it in, in this congregation, the Promise 686, the community of care model, to come around foster parents to show that support, bring that support around them. Right now, again, one and done, parents go through, they're not prepared for the kids, they've got no organized support around them, they can't, it, it's, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. I can't do it anymore. So foster parents, you know, again, I, I, I went through in a pretty short list uh, of things what's going to happen there. But but I can tell you it is, it is going to be a very comprehensive program. But it will hopefully keep that retention of foster parents. Um, birth parents. Switch to birth parents. And you tell me if I'm... No, it's good. It's good. I want to follow up in a second with... Uh... So keep going. I've got a, a follow-up question. It's not on our list, but you you know you're ready. Birth, birth parents in Floyd County. Um, uh, our caseworkers are so overwhelmed mm-hmm. because because what we're we're putting on 
It's ridiculous. So spending time with birth parents and actually coaching them, mentoring them, getting them um, to correct in their lives what got their kids in, in, in care to begin with. We, our caseworkers at DFACS can't do it. It's just it's impossible right now. We're asking them to do something that's impossible. Yep. And the other thing just just drives me nuts is is that you know we we want to criticize them. We want to criticize the system for it. We're the ones created it, <laughs> and we're blaming them. Right. You know it's ridiculous. So with birth parents, we have adopted a program from a from a. <laughs> Coming called SAFT stands for Supporting Adoptive and Foster Families Together. It's a comprehensive program that stays with birth parents from the time the kids go into care all the way through hopefully reunification up to 12 to 18 months beyond that. We will not, when kids come into care, provided they stay in Floyd County, which is another issue, because right now 70% of our kids are going out of county. We can keep them in county and keep them in our program through our comprehensive care center. Um, we will stay with that family all the way through, and we will not leave them until they're stable. SAFT has a proven record of, of uh, uh, that reentry rates in Forsyth County were right around 15% before SAFT. Right now, they're around three. So and that's reentry in 12 months, kids coming back into care because reunification happened before it needed to, and the families failed again. Mm-hmm. So mentoring, pre- and post-visitation counseling, plus this, our, our center will have a, a, a supervised visitation center, which now, for most of you all that know, you know, visitations, most of them happen in the playground of the McDonald's. Mm-hmm. The kids are there with their birth parents all day. I mean, anyway. Yep. So... Birth parents. The focus will be there. We will assign a caseworker to each one of those families that that, that the defects caseworkers can rely on. So at the end of that process, not, nothing will be undocumented or left alone. At the end of the 15 months, if reunification isn't going to happen, we'll be able to stand up in front of Judge Price and say, this birth parent's been provided everything and has done everything that they can possibly do. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Right now... Part of what's happening is because they, you know, uh, unfortunately, when the caseworkers stand up in front of Judge Price, they can't answer all the questions. Have we done everything that, that we need to do with the birth parent? You just can't because there's not time. Mm-hmm. Just what I described. It's just not time. So again, our numbers are high. Our yep. kids are languishing in care mm-hmm. because of. It. So anyway, uh, and then of course the kids. The kids right now when they come into care. You know, they're going to the defects office. Uh, sometimes they're there for several days, sitting in the office in a cubicle um, uh, before they're placed. Yeah. Um, and that won't happen. When, they, when, when we're open, and we've already worked it out with, with local defects, uh, which Mitch was a part of, they have approved this comprehensive care model that we have, are putting in place over there and the facility. And so when kids come into care in Floyd County, they will come to Restoration Rome, no matter what time of day or night. We will have folks there that will take them in in a home-like environment 
and that's where they will stay. We hope to at least have school there at some point. We will have short-term overnight stay uh, for them. Um, uh, and so, you know, we will provide them as, as much love and compassion as possible until the times that they're placed over there. So, and then with the SAF model, what what SAF has shown is, is that they've taken a minimum of 90 days off of the time that kids are in care in Forsyth County, which is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, we believe that it could be that or greater in Floyd County, just based on kind of the, the demographics that we've looked at. We know we can at least hit the 90-day mark. So again, what that means too is, is that if you we you know we we broke it down to a full time equivalent that basically takes twenty kids out of the system a year just by doing that. Mm-hmm. So so anyway, from it's good. It's from, good. from the in care, you know, I've kind of broad brushed yeah. what the comprehensive care center yeah. is going to be or what we're going to do with kids. While they're in there, and, and you have to also, I guess, all of the supporting agencies or all the agencies that would be providing services uh, for the kids, including the, the private agencies, child placing agencies like Murphy Harps, who, uh, uh, you know, we have a Faith Bridge or Lutheran or Bethany or whoever, they'll all have, we hope, will have, will want to come. They've been invited to be there and have offices there. We'll have there all the service providers, whether that's for their medical, their therapeutic, their counseling, all of those, you know, the Georgia Hope, Highland Rivers, all those people, uh, Jim and Bonnie Moore, who are heading up our uh, task force on mental health and substance abuse, are vetting all of those service providers to be there. So, you know, they, they will all physically be there as well. So you've heard, that's a lot. And, and and that's really scratching the surface of beginning to address address the need. Jeff, real, real quick, we've got four and a half minutes, so we're gonna go like Jehu through the streets of Jerusalem. We're going quick. What gender is missing from some of the oversight work? You've you've had this conversation before. When you have meetings, who are you typically having meetings with, and who's missing? Men, and I I will tell you that uh, every meeting that I am in. Um, if there is another man present, uh, it's seldom. And usually there's only one besides me. I'm kind of a... Mm-hmm. You're the unicorn. I'm, I'm the unicorn. Yeah. Hard to find, hard to spot. Stop right there because I'm chasing a rabbit. Um, what's the status of the facilities? What's happened recently? Who'd you partner with? And uh, what got done there and for what purpose? Uh, two things that were projects, major projects. We're trying to get the anchor anchors for both the community center, which will be the uh, prevention and intervention side, and the uh, comprehensive care center for the kids that are in care. We've done demo work. Lowe's Heroes came in. We were selected as their uh, site for this year. They came in and demoed. Uh, we've got pictures of this. They came in and demoed both areas. And so right now, mm-hmm. uh, what we're trying to do is raise money for the material. And then once we've got the material, uh, we've got the prints ready for uh, the clinic, the medical facility. Uh, and so, uh, as soon as we have the materials, Carpenters for Christ are going to come in and do the build out of both of those facilities. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, y'all see it? That, that's the aftershots of, uh, of the uh, Comprehensive Care Center. That's actually the visitation uh, center piece. So what you'll see in that area right there is uh, going to be more of uh, home life, like living room, den, nurseries, things so that when, when parents do their supervised visitation, it's going to be a home-like environment and, and get them accustomed to the kids coming back home. Um, there's the clinic, uh, 5,200 square foot, that will have medical, dental, vision, uh, substance abuse, mental health counseling. Uh, that's it right now. That's good. What are some ways, how can people get information? If they want to know what's going on, not contacting you because by the way jeff is you guys know this jeff is our pastor of local engagement and obviously this is a huge component of local engagement and so jeff and mary margaret cannot do everything so i'm not don't blow up his email inbox but if they want to know some information where can they go to find 411 uh right now um uh i've got uh, uh social media facebook and i know a lot of people don't have facebook um, uh, is probably has the most current information on it. You know, we hope to have the website out. I've, Jordan Epperson is, is helping me. Uh, most of y'all know Jordan. Uh, he is helping me on the social media side. And if there's anybody that needs help on social media, it's <laughs> me. Um, uh, uh, and so to get that information out there, hit the, hit the Facebook page because, uh, uh, we'll have, uh, uh, events and things that are coming out. We're hoping to have those the month out uh, uh, things. You're going to have a winter festival coming up. Um, uh, we're you know uh, doing I guess adopt a family, and uh, uh, we were working with Action Rum Action Ministries on food boxes too. So we got some uh, some things coming up for the holidays that uh, are going to be good ways of, uh, of getting engaged. Fantastic. Pastor Eric met with uh, and their Radical Life group who set up this morning, did a great job. Um, they uh, they met with Colette uh, Hollingsworth down at uh, Restoration Rome and are going to be sharing some information, which we're going to be sending out church-wide here in the next week or so, so you'll have some ongoing. Andrew Hackler, you guys know Andrew? He's one of our church planning interns is going to be helping us communicate that information out so you have constant feed of data and ways you can get involved. Um, anything else you want to tell them, and then we're going to close, and then we're going to worship together. Um. Uh, spread the word. Um, we uh, this is this is only going to happen if, if we come together and and we do have some slides of all the different uh, uh, church partners that uh, are are also have been engaged in this process because it's going to take all of us uh, to do this and uh, uh, and. Folks, this is something that we, this is, again, we can't rely on the government to solve something that's our problem. That's right. You know, and so please know that. And the more folks that we can get involved here and engaged in this, uh, Mm -hmm. the better. And, of course, anybody that has, uh, is interested in, in fostering or knows of anyone that's interested in fostering, please give them our email mm-hmm. because we're already doing a lot of these and there is a lot going on over at Restoration Row. Uh, we have had a slide of all the different awesome. uh, meetings that are happening there, uh, activities, events, 
Um, uh, you name it. I mean, we've got after school programs going on. Uh, we got circle of security. We've got, uh, well, you, you can see, you can see everything that's happening over there now in a, in kind of a blank canvas, uh, building and a month and everybody's working very politely through all the construction work. So, awesome. Anyway. Thank you, Jeff. Very good. Hey, listen, I want to close. I want to close with this challenge, and we're going to invite the band to come up and, and lead us in, in worship. We talked several weeks ago. We've uh, passed around this idea. It, there's, there's, here's just a, a right now thing you can begin begin to do, and it's it's regard to giving. Um, we don't talk a lot about giving at our church, which is probably epic fail because Jesus talks a lot about money. Number one, it's all His, um, so therefore it's our job to steward His resources well. Um, I, I want to lay a challenge on you, and that is this. Don't, listen, your, your, your tenth belongs to your local church, so don't take away your tenth and go give it to Restoration Rome. That's robbing God. Right? Don't, don't do that. What I want to challenge you to do is above and beyond your tithe. Here's a challenge for you. At Christmas this year, it's a nice little thing. I'm going to do it. I'm going to forgo a present. I don't, give me money. Whatever you would spend on a present for me, give me the money. And I want to give it to Restoration Rome for the purpose of building out. So just forego one present because you probably get five or six apiece. Just one. If you get five presents, take four and be happy. But whatever that other one would have been, take that money and bring it on Christmas Day as we gather to worship or the Sunday after if you need to repent and not, you're not going to come to church on, on Sunday for Christmas. If you're going to be a pagan and be somewhere else, then you, you talk to Jesus about that. But... <clears throat> I'm just kidding. I know your family and you gotta go somewhere. Um, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be here. So if you want to come to the Lord's Supper service on Christmas Day, I will be here. And it may be you and me, but that's okay. And we'll sing about Jesus and take the Lord's Supper and go home. Uh, 11 o'clock. Anyway, that's in the announcements. Um, bring it that Sunday. Bring that, it may be 20 bucks, but imagine if everybody forego, just one present and brought that money and make your check out to Three Rivers Church and put in the memo, Restoration Rome. And let's give toward being able to have the resources to build that out. Wouldn't that be cool? And, and I'm, I'm challenging other pastors to do the same thing in their congregations. Just forego one present. Remember, we're rich. we got plenty of money. The poorest person in America is rich globally. All right? And so everybody in this room can forego one present and bring that money and give it for the purpose of building that out. You want to guys give that a try? And if the Lord says don't do it, then you obey Him. But don't go buy you more stuff. Right? we got plenty of stuff. And let's see what the Lord may raise up as a result of that. Right? Don't give your tithe to it. <laughs> Bring that. There's a box in the back. Put that in there. But forego one present and see what the Lord might raise up. Imagine if every church did that. No problem building that out. Would there? Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And we're going to respond uh, in worship this morning. So if you bow your head, band's going to come up and we'll get after it. Father, I just want to thank you this morning for the powerful gospel. Uh, thank you that... Um, you have adopted us into the kingdom. We were not sons and daughters, but because of Jesus and His work on the cross in our place for our sin and His burial and His resurrection on the third day, by faith, You have adopted us into Your family. And Father, we say thank You. Thank You for the gospel. Thank You for that good news. Thank You for the justifying work of the gospel that adopts us who were orphans, but we're now sons and daughters. Thank you for that. I pray, God, that you would put it in the heart of every single individual here, how they can serve, whatever that looks like. God, pray for the glorious work of the Spirit to speak clearly on what that is. We trust you for that.
Lord, it's not the same for everybody. We recognize that. It's not everybody's job to foster and adopt, but it's all of our jobs to do something, whatever it can be. So, Lord, I pray you'd speak to us and show us what that is. Give us a heart to obey, hands and feet quick to respond in obedience. And, Lord, may you, the Lord of the harvest, raise up everything that is needed. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So, Lord, raise up all that is needed to bring the lost, heal the lame, and fix and make straight what the curse has made crooked. We pray you'll do that today in Jesus' name.